Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Petrichor Project with your host, Chris Coons, and my co-host, as always. Ben, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners today? Never. <laughs> and Never. that is, that is Ben job. Allman. I have no introduction. I need no introduction. He, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Even though I, I give him one, he doesn't need it. All right, Chris, so I got a question for you. Okay. I am a human being Okay, who has never worked out okay. other than, you know, maybe occasionally when they had to in gym class back in seventh grade or something like that. Okay. Or, and who has not been super active and all that stuff. Let's say they're mostly sedentary right now. How often do they need to work out? Need to work out. Okay, well, that's probably too strong a statement to begin with, but let's start with what are they try- trying to accomplish? Why are they working out? Hmm. Let's say this person wants to be... They, they have given you the answer of they want to be more fit. Okay. What do they mean by more fit? More you fit than to- they currently are? Yes. Okay. And you said that they're pretty inactive. They're pretty sedentary. How old is this part? How old is this hypothetical person? Does that matter? Possibly. Mm, Somewhere between 18 and 60. Okay. How's that? that? That's... That's good. I can I can work with that for now at no. least. Do they have any health issues that would keep them from being able to work out? No. They have any injuries? Define injury. Do they have any current injuries that could be exacerbated by working out? Okay. They want to be more fit. Yes. Do they have any does this part does this hypothetical person have any any health complications, not things that would make them not be able to work out, but things that we could try to improve through working out. High cholesterol, high blood pressure, anything they don't that they're Okay. Is this person overweight? Or are they in like like an average weight going by BMI? Like are let's, they let's say uh let's say uh, let's say average. Okay. How much time does this person have on the a world. weekly basis? They have the but, world of time. Okay. So they don't have any commitments. They don't have a job. They don't have they. They're they're a homeless bum. Okay, well that that changes. No, like no, no, because the question is, how often should they work out? Um, how often do they need to work out? Is how I phrase it. Correct. That is how you phrased it, and I guess I would push back that giving anyone a blanket recommendation if they're not going to follow it is largely irrelevant. I want to find out 
what this person can actually do to improve their fitness. And if they have three hours a week based on other life commitments versus if they have 15 hours a week versus if they have one hour a week would call for very different prescriptions because I don't think it would. Okay. Because a we're, we're, we're defining how often they need to work out and how often can this person work out? Right. And uh, B if they have, you know, 15 hours and they haven't done anything before and they've been largely sedentary, it doesn't, I don't, I don't care if they have, you know, the world of time, I'm not going to put them past a couple hours a week. Like that's going to be it. Hell, getting them in the gym for one hour a week might be enough for the quote unquote should not need because uh, they've never done anything before. And they like, if adherence is going to be there and it's going to be clearly apparent um, and you don't want to drop them in the deep end. So I think that's nonsense that you think, Oh, you know, if they, it's going to be very different for somebody in this specific situation that we've described that they're going to have, it's going to be uh, largely different if they have, you know, three hours a week versus 15 hours a week. I don't think there's going to be any difference. Um, so probably in my, in my mind, anything greater than five hours a week, that they that they could spare and are willing to use for working out then i wouldn't give much if any difference at all after that uh in their first easily 12 weeks to six months um so are you telling me that they at least have five five hours that they could commit to working out sure okay um what do they like doing eating okay underwater basket weaving (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, picking flowers. Okay, so they don't mind being outside. Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, they like watching... Here, no, all right, we'll, we'll negate that. They like watching television and reading books. Okay. There. Is there any physical activity that they definitely don't want to do so I've, I've i've gone down you know physical activities with them is there anything that they're afraid of trying or that they are just not open to uh they are the average person okay um well i guess in this you asked need so what so trying to clarify are you is the real question what I would prescribe to this person to get started? Sure, if we want to start there, that's fine. Okay. Then I would start them with week one, probably to assess them. I would have them do a full body day resistance training in the gym, uh, light weights, see how they move, um, and get them see if they're comfortable with a barbell, see if they're comfortable with dumbbells, see if they would rather use machines. Um, if, I, if I have like a, a Globo gym style gym, like a Planet Fitness and Anytime Fitness, uh, a Gold gym, I would have them try uh, a little bit of everything in the gym. I would try them doing at least one movement with a barbell, at least one movement with free weights, at least one movement with machines to see if they have any preference, if they have any Uh, anxiety around anything and just generally see how they move. And I would put them through 
probably a 20 to 30 minute brisk walk and see, cause you, you said that they had no health, uh, you know, things that would keep them from moving and they, like they have no contraindications. Yes. Thank you. Ba- our, our big fancy word for health things that would keep, them, <laughs> keep them from right. working out. Um, and so I would have them do a 20 to 30 minute brisk walk and see if that is, if they need to stop sooner, if they need to slow down, uh, and by brisk walk, I would try to have them going about four miles per hour uh, and see if they would need to slow off of that pace or if they could maintain that for 20 to 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, four miles an hour, they'd be able to walk two miles if they could keep up that pace. Um, and then based on a ton of things from those two workouts would be where we might go with next. So how long would the session be? In the gym? The 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 resistance training session? I mean, you you're having them I assume you were on a treadmill. Were you not? For the br- for the brisk walk? Yeah. Uh if the weather was nice, I would rather them go outside. However, you are correct if we use a treadmill, I can definitely gauge exactly how fast they're going and they don't have to be thinking about that. So the treadmill would probably be the better one for monitoring for the first brisk walk. Um, so so you at uh, 20 to 30 minutes, if they can maintain. No, 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 not on the treadmill. Okay. Over the whole thing. How long? These would be two separate sessions. The 20 to 30 minute walk would be one session resistance training, not more than 60 minutes. I don't even know if I'd put it at sixty. I think thirty minutes would be, but, but that, yeah, I mean, to get to get uh, over to all the stuff and teach them, and yeah, it would probably take sixty minutes. Sure, that, that that's I, right. I wouldn't want to take more than sixty minutes, um, because I would not want to overwhelm them. Think that like that, like sure, uh, anything like that. But just to to if they're very inactive, teaching them the movements and making sure that they're moving correctly and moving to the different places in the gym would probably take somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes. Right. So that's, that's what you would do if you were given a new client with this information. So sure. that's, uh, we're going to keep developing this question. Okay. So what, because that's, that's a different question. Okay. What does the person need to do in terms of that week to be quote unquote more fit? What does the person need to do in terms? I'm not sure that I understand the question. So you put them through what they, uh, what you would do okay. with them. What do they need to do? What is the minimum amount that they need to do to see a benefit? That first week? Yes. Essentially nothing. The, the barest minimum more than they did the week before. And how, how much is that? Uh, so I mean, what if is you, that? Of if, what activity? When? For how long? <laughs> so if they went from being completely inactive to going for a brisk walk and resistance training, then they are almost definitely more fit than they were before. Now, are you talking about week two? So they, so they were in the gym. To go week- from week zero. Okay. Starting at week one. Okay. And then week two, there's some sort of higher level of fitness. Okay. 
Um, so the what is what is the minimum amount that they would need to do to start to be more fit? Let me answer this and tell me if this if this answers what if this is what you're looking for because I'm not fully sure um, of what you're looking for. If they could walk either slightly faster or slightly longer at the same speed for their brisk walk, or if they could accumulate more time slash distance at the same speed over the week, that would improve their fitness. So, so for a concrete example, if they were able to walk 20 minutes, or if they were able to walk all 30 minutes at four miles per hour, I would either want them to do two separate days. So maybe day one, they're doing 30 minutes and day two of the brisk walk, they're doing 15 minutes still at that four miles per hour, or I would want them to do 4.1 miles per hour for that same 30 minutes. But basically I need to progressive overload them and all that that means in this brisk walk situation is either further at the same speed, a little bit faster for the same distance, or accumulate more total distance at the same speed, which would be more volume for their brisk walking. Um, the resistance training for week two in this situation, I would be a little bit less concerned about technically improving their fitness um, in the resistance training because if we only did three to five movements day one or week one i would want to continue to just get them exposed to, to some different movements um, as far as lifting weights or resistance training goes um, and would be less concerned about progressively overloading those first five movements uh, perhaps if they really liked one or two of the five things that we tried on day one, I would have them do those again and maybe add one extra set, um, add a little bit more weight, add an extra rep. Um, am I am I answering what you're looking for or am I beating around the bush? You are answering an entirely different question. You okay. answered the question of what would you have them do on week two? Okay. Which is not my question. Okay. My question is what do they need to do on week one to see results for being more fit on week two. I don't understand. They need to show up and put in the work. What work? For how long? What do they need to do? What is the minimum amount that someone who hasn't done anything needs to do to see some benefit? That is the question. And what do they... And what... Is that that they need to do? Um, so I'm not trying to beat around the bush. I'm trying to answer your question. But you, ba the the if you were basically inactive, the the barrier is so low. You just have to do something. Right, and what is that something? Anything. Like what? You could do for how long? For what rate? For <laughs> basically any amount of time. If you have never trained with a barbell, you need to do one rep of one exercise with one pound, if even. You could technically do 
probably a quarter pound if you can get your hands on something that only weighs a quarter pound, uh, possibly like a rogue war bar that's basically just a piece of PVC pipe. And you could do a bench press, you could do an overhead press, you could do a deadlift, you could do a squat. One rep of each of those movements, if you've not put your body through those ranges of motion ever or in a very long time, could start to get you moving in the direction of being more fit. If you have not walked at four miles per hour ever or within the past 12 to 24 months, walking for 60 seconds would get you started to being more fit if next time you can walk for 65 seconds. Uh, Is that more along the lines of of what you wanted me to answer? Yes. Okay. Uh, Yes, yes, that that is closer to the minimum requirements needed for being more fit the next week. Yes. Is do something for a little bit and don't do a lot. And why don't we do it? Why why shouldn't they do a lot? Why, Why don't they put you know, 500 pounds on their, on their barbell for a bench press. Why not? <laughs> well, outside of that extreme example, hmm. uh, because I, I don't think that the average person would think that they could put 500 pounds. All right. Why don't they put a plate on each side for their bench press? Uh, and for people that don't know, a, a plate in this context is a 45 pound weight plate. That is just like the, the general thing. If you say, I'm going to put a plate on, that'd be putting one 45 pound plate on each side of a 45 pound bar. Um, and I would agree if, if you had a, a 200 pound man who is very inactive, they might think that that was totally normal. And sure. so your two, two things that I would say, why I wouldn't want someone to do that. A, you may get injured because you don't know if you're actually capable of doing that And B or two, whatever you do day one, means that you have to do more of it the next time to get more fit. And if kind of... Not necessarily. Not when you're starting. If if you have somebody who's completely sedentary, that's not going to be necessarily true, right? um, Yeah, I I guess you're, you're kind of right. But basically, we want to find the minimum thing that is kind of difficult for you and build that up ever so slowly a little bit at a time because you don't need to do more than that. So what is, what is the, how do I know what the minimum difficulty is for me? That's kind of challenging. What is, what does that feel like? What does that look like? What is, how do I know when I've hit that? And, you know, let's say that in terms of lifting, and then let's say that in terms of your example of walking. Like, how do I know when I've hit that? So for me personally, I find that people have an easier time grasping it in cardiorespiratory modalities. So pos- so like going for that walk, if I can get you to a point where you could hold a conversation, then, but, but holding a, a full conversation is a little bit challenging, but you can still answer me in complete sentences, then where where I want you to be, if I'm getting you to a point where you could sing songs where you're not having difficulty breathing at all, then that is a little bit not strenuous enough. And if you are struggling and answering me in two or three words, in broken sentences, and can't hold 
a conversation with a little bit of difficulty, then you're working a little bit harder to start with than I want you to be doing. And so I do find that with cardiorespiratory activities, it's a little bit easier uh, because everybody, almost everybody has conversations, can speak and knows what it feels like to be a little, can, can tell when they're a little bit strained. And I can tell from the outside if I'm asking someone questions and they're no longer able to answer me in complete sentences, it's very easy for me to gauge. Uh, with the resistance training, it's a little bit harder. Me looking at a person doing an exercise, I am looking at how quickly they are moving the implement. Um, so if they're moving a barbell, I'm looking at the speed that the barbell is moving through whatever movement we're doing, if it's free weights, if it's a machine. And then I'm also kind of gauging the strain that is on their face. But that is a lot more subjective. The Austin Baraki scale. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so resistance training is a little bit more difficult, I find, to gauge. What I like to try to, you know, if I, if I would talk somebody through that cardiorespiratory and, and the being able to sing songs and, and not be difficult talking at all versus a little bit strained while you're holding a conversation versus... A, a couple of word, you know, answers, I try to then tell them that that would be like a five, a seven, and a nine. And if they can try to move that into the resistance training and how difficult it's feeling on their body to give me those numbers. And so a five is, this is very easy. I could kind of do this all day sort of thing. A seven is, um, I feel like, you know, this is challenging. I could maybe do a little bit of this, but like, I'm going to get tired if I keep going. And a nine is like, this is, this is tough. Like I'm really, really struggling with this. If you could hold a, a strained conversation, you know, full sentences, a little bit of difficulty, then you're, you're in the sweet spot where I, I think that you want to try to get yourself. If you're just starting out with resistance training, I, I try to kind of give that same gauge and it is more feeling if it's feeling challenging to you, then it's challenging. Nobody else can really tell you that it's it's challenging. And if you feel like it's a little bit challenging uh, on this first day, then it is challenging. And the next time that you do that same movement with that same weight, if it feels a little bit less challenging, then you're making some progress and you can keep moving on. Um, but that so subject... I, Go ahead. So I, I, I think for the especially the first day, well, as realistically for the first two, three weeks, mm -hmm. uh, getting to the point where you feel that uh, something is challenging, is probably too much, right? For somebody who's been completely sedentary and is now entering this, they're going to be super sore if they feel, get to a point where they feel like it's challenging, right? Um, I would push back on that. I think that I think that you could be right. I think that if you're feeling really strained, that you may end up being really sore and understanding that that soreness will go away in two or three days is super useful. It, it, it doesn't, if you don't feel it, it, it's well, okay. If, if you've never worked out before and you get to a point where you're like in the workout, you feel like it's hard. Mm-hmm you're likely going to have DOMS for the next week. So right? DOMS, DOMS 
is delayed Sorry. onset muscle soreness, and that is just the feeling of being sore a day or two days after a workout, and it can last for a couple of days, it can last for a week. So I, I think that you're misunderstanding. Yes, if a workout was hard, you're going to definitely experience DOMS. If you do one movement for one body part that gets to a point where it feels a little bit challenging for one set, you might have a little bit of DOMS, but I don't think that you're going to have that week-long DOMS effect if you do one set of that exercise and it feels a little bit challenging because you might just be uncomfortable. You, so, we're, you might... so we're talking, so when we're saying this, we're saying you're doing one set of one exercise for one body part and you're only going to the point for that set where it does start to feel like it's challenging? Sure, that, would, be, that, that would be a start. If, if you're brand new to this and you're very inactive going in yeah that's perfect and then you could do that for each body part it gets a little bit challenging you stop and you push it a little bit further the next time that you're at the gym yeah if if, if the first week that you're doing this if you're if if it's hard you are going too hard that is that is for sure if if the walk is it feels hard and you feel like you got hit by you know a truck you are are doing too much too quickly and you don't need to be going that intense. Is that more clear? Yes. Yeah, I'm not saying do do five five sets where they all get challenging for each muscle group on this first day that you're in the gym. Uh, that that is definitely not what I'm saying. I'm saying, okay. you know, find an exercise and again, maybe try a barbell, try free weights, try a machine. Um, you could do a machine chest press. You could do a goblet squat with a dumbbell and you could do a barbell row and those would give you three different muscle groups uh each with a different modality each pretty um pretty low chance of getting injured with those three different exercises uh fairly simple you could find a, a 60 second youtube video and, and see a general way how to do each one of them and that, that could be your first day in the gym. Do one set of each of those. So, if so how concerned should someone be the same person that we're talking about going into the gym? How concerned should they be about getting injured, about doing too much? So those are two different questions. Getting injured, I would say I would be very unconcerned um, as long as you are just kind of going slow, using very light weights. You're the, the, Injury risk per participation hours for resistance training is incredibly low. Most people that get injured resistance training um, are training to compete or are trying to, for lack of better term, show off and do things that they are not equipped to do. Um, the second part of that, doing too much, that's, that's kind of arbitrary. You could do too much on day one. And most likely the worst thing that's going to happen is that you feel sore for five or six days um, and that you have to do a little bit more the next time than you would have had to otherwise. But the doing too much, uh, try not to let that be a barrier to get you started because mo almost everybody is doing too little. Very, very, very few people are doing too much. So uh, again, find find something that, you know, that's a little bit challenging if you don't, if Walking on the treadmill sounds terrible. That could be riding the stationary bike at the gym. That could be a rower if, if your gym has a rower or a ski erg. Um, basically, just something that you can keep the metrics of is really useful. 
when you're just starting out. So what I mean by that is the stationary bike, you can keep track of how fast and how far you went. Um, that is a good way to get started so that you can know what you were doing that felt challenging so that you can ramp it up a little bit more the next time. Uh, it's not totally necessary if, if you don't have access to that equipment and you're walking outside or you're riding a bicycle outside, totally okay. But sometimes when you're just starting out, it can be useful to have some metrics to know where you're at with things with the long-term goal needing um, less of those things because they become more internal. But that's a discussion for another day. Right. And so I, I think it's important for somebody who's just starting out to, and you know, I have the opposite opinion on this, okay. um, to not track anything, to not worry about it, to not go into the gym thinking, oh, I got to lift 372 pounds today. Um, to not say, okay, you know, I need to keep my macros at a 40, 60, uh, split, which that would be weird. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you know, you know, uh, I think for the individual that we've described here, um, getting in the gym, getting to a point in the gym for your, again, your last set or your, your last part of the walk where you do feel like it's a little bit challenging, it's going to be great. And, you know, I, I, I understand the concept of, you know, you need to be understanding where that was last time. But as far as tracking goes, like actually writing things down, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a, an additional barrier for them to think, okay, I have to do this. And then it becomes a chore and then it becomes something they don't want to do. And that's not great, especially for somebody who's just starting out, especially if they're on their own. Um, and on their own, I mean, you know, they're doing this for themselves by themselves. Yeah, without a coach, a, without a trainer. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important that they don't track anything, that they don't worry about it for the first know, couple of weeks um, and that they just get into the groove of, you know, going in there and, and going through the motions essentially um, and getting their body ready to actually partake in uh, what would be a uh, health and fitness regimen. So I would concede and agree with that point and would say though, optimally, I would want the person to be tracking so that they know the progress that they're making. I, I what do you what do you think the the ratio is for the level of adherence compared to the level of benefit they receive from tracking? I don't understand the question. Meaning that there's some ratio there, right? So uh, there's some level of benefit they get from tracking what they're doing. And there's some level of non-adherence for tracking what they're doing because it's complex sure. to someone who's starting or it's a chore to someone who's starting or something like that. What do you think the ratio there is? And meaning, do you would think one's better than the other? Do you think it's, it's worse? Do you think it's worth doing? So I do think it's worth doing. What's prior. worth doing? I, I think it's worth tracking your workouts. Um, because of a, a big piece of that is the mental benefit of it can, it can be really difficult for somebody who is going from being inactive to being, I, I'm going to kind of beat around the bush, but I will circle back. So if you are going from being sedentary and inactive and you want to try to be more fit and live a healthier lifestyle, it can be 
more difficult to lose weight than it can be to make progress exercising because just by starting exercising and showing up each day and putting in the work, you're almost definitely going to make progress for at least three to six months. And if you keep a little notebook, if you keep a notes tab, if you're tracking that in some way, it can be, I find it can be really rewarding to look back and say, wow, I walked further than I did a month ago, or I walked faster, or I lifted more weight in this movement, or I did more sets, or I did more reps. And that can be a huge motivational boost, especially if that scale isn't moving at first because you're struggling to get that eating part in check, that it can be the way that you keep getting yourself motivated. So yes, the complexity, the annoyance of writing down the stuff that you're doing in the gym is definitely there. And for some people, they are not going to do it, or they are going to say, I'm never even going to get started because I don't want to do this extra part of tracking. But I think that for a lot of people, that extra part of tracking becomes the motivation because they like seeing that time decrease or that speed increase or that weight go up. So for those people then, uh, and you know, you can't really, how I, I'll ask you this. How do you know if you're going to be one of those people and B, uh, if you are one of those people, at what point do you think you should start tracking? Do you think it's day one? Do you think it's day 31? Do you think it's day 331? Um, I think kind of generally, if you, if the idea of tracking your workouts sounds really terrible to you, then you're probably not going to track them. But going to the gym probably also sounds terrible to you. Um, I, by no means do I think it's impossible, but I think that a lot of people, if they could get themselves to the gym, they could also motivate themselves to track their workouts because that would be, you have time to kill in between your sets and stuff. In, in your workout, you have time to kill anyhow. And so using... 60 seconds of that time to track your workout isn't really changing the amount of time that you're at the gym or that you're doing the thing anyhow. Uh, and I know that I use the word anyhow like half a dozen times there, so I apologize. So how many sets is this uh, person doing? On day one? Yeah. Probably at least five, maybe ten, if they're doing five different exercises, at least one set for each of those exercises, maybe two. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that a lot of people would be kind of excited about tracking workouts because they can look back and it's the progress they're making. Whereas I do find that a lot of people tracking food intake is a huge barrier because there's not like, there's not really something to show off there, or at least I hope not, unless you have some kind of eating disorder, which is a whole other thing. But I, I don't want you being excited to show off how little you ate. But it can be rewarding to, to look back or show off or tell a buddy, hey, you know, I, I did this at the gym and be proud of that. So I, I do, I, I tend to think that they are divergent things and, and, Definitely understand the, the logging food being a huge barrier, but I tend to find that a lot of people really enjoy tracking workouts. And it's, and I, it's fine. Go ahead. Yep, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, and it's 
all about finding what worked for you. Maybe it's a spreadsheet, maybe it's just a little notebook. And if someone were to say, well, I absolutely don't want to want to track workouts, does that mean that I shouldn't, that there's no point in working out? No, not at all. I would much, much rather you work out in or be active in some way and not log your workouts. Uh, by no means, if you're not going to log your workout, you can still make progress. You can still get fitter. You can still be healthier. Um, it can just be a little bit easier to to know what to do the next week if you know what you did this week. That's all. So let's say this person went in there and maybe they followed your advice. Maybe they didn't. But regardless, day two, which means day one, they went in there. Okay. Uh, they are sore. They okay. are super sore. They feel like they got hit by a truck. Okay. What do they do? So lots of questions there. On day one, they just did, they, they, because you said that they, they may have listened to my advice. They may not have. So I basically have no idea what they did. Sure. Day, day one. They don't either. I mean, um, I mean, they don't know if it's too much, right? Say they. Sure, and that—that's. Um. If it didn't hurt really bad while you were doing it, or within basically five minutes after you were done, it's probably just DOMS, and it will dissipate in a couple of days. If you actually injured yourself, it's almost always going to happen. In right. real so they're, they're just they're just sore, right? Okay. So we're not we're not talking about injury. We're talking sure. about soreness. Um, if they're capable, if, if they showed up and want to do a little bit again, they could do a little bit again. If they feel like they got hit by a truck, they pr you probably did a little bit. Is that it's not what you said? No, that's what I said. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, if they feel like they got hit by a truck, they probably did too much on day one, but they also just may have a very low tolerance for being sore after working out uh, and may have to kind of work through that and just build up their tolerance for being sore because one person's getting hit by a truck is another person's kind of normal. Um, and just everybody has a different pain tolerance and a different tolerance for what is comfortable and uncomfortable. Uh, so if they showed up again and they're capable of doing something, probably do something. Uh, but so, they, so is your advice just suck it up? Uh, basically, that was the beating around the bush. Yeah, I mean, if, if they showed back up to the gym, they liked whatever they did probably um, and are enjoying right. it. And so, so I would not so want to discourage that person. If, if you find yourself in the situation where you have uh, pushed yourself a little too hard for where you are <clears throat> in terms of your physicality, um, getting sleep uh, is going to be your, your best friend. Uh, making sure you're getting at least eight hours of sleep. If you're not getting eight hours of sleep, you need to address that and try to make sure that you can. I am aware that all situations do not account for getting eight hours of sleep, uh, but as close to that as you can possibly manage, uh, the better off you're going to be. Uh, the less sore you're going to be from the workouts, uh, the easier it's going to be to recover from that. Um, uh, in addition to that, uh, dialing in your nutrition, which, you know, for somebody first starting out, not going to be a real big thing. But uh, if you find yourself on, you know, week two or something like that, and you're still getting sore, uh, you might want to start 
thinking about changing your 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 diet a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, going back to the gym is going to actually help you. And doing less, much less. If you find yourself sore on day one, make sure you take a day off. Mm-hmm. First off, take take it, take a full day off. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure you're eating okay. Um, and then go ahead back in and do uh, half of what you did before. The And uh, don't go to the point where you felt like it was hard before. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't get there at all. Um, and actually, I, I know that sounds terrible. Like, oh, I don't want to work out when I'm sore. That sounds awful. And trust me, when you have DOMS, it is awful. Um, but going to the gym and doing movements with a little bit of weight uh, actually does help DOMS as well. Yeah, the, and I, I guess just circling back around the, the takeaway, my, my one concern with that person would be that they are going to go too hard, too fast and end up feeling like they have to be at the gym five, six, seven days a week. I wouldn't want to discourage somebody who worked out a little bit too hard day one and showed back up at the gym day two and is really sore because they're excited. But I would just want that person to remember if you went from being really inactive, even if you're only at the gym one day this week, you're starting, you're starting the journey and you're making progress. And I just wouldn't, I, I, I would want to subtly nudge them to be excited, be enthusiastic, but not feel like you have to be doing five, six, seven days of hard workouts from the get go, because that is not what you need to be doing. Right. And, and if you get sore after your first workout and you don't feel like going back to the gym for another week, okay, yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Start yep. it next week instead and mm-hmm. don't, and do, you know, less. Yep. Than you did before. Yep. Um, if you need to take the entire week off, okay. The, it's not a not a huge deal. I, I think that the I think we could probably both agree to sum sum this up is if you're if you want to start and the goal is to get fitter, start. Show up day one and do a little bit of something. Agreed? Yeah. Perfect. So as always, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tune in next time to another exciting episode of The Petricor Project.